Happy Saturday, everybody, and let's say goodbye to a two-time Cy Young Award winner who's hanging up his cleats. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I've been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and pitchers pitchers and catchers are reporting soon. For my sixth season here at the Locked On Podcast Network, follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now. And on Instagram, I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, Hit the thing. You know how to to subscribe on YouTube if you're watching me now. Chances are you're smart enough to pull that one off. And just a quick note, as we're doing a rare Saturday show, but it may not be so rare going forward, Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Yeah, uh, decided to do a Saturday show as well. Um, some behind the scenes reasons and also one because it's a, uh, I feel like doing them. I feel like doing them. We got the, we're going to have a bunch of previews for the season coming forward over the next bunch of days, the next bunch of weeks. It's tough to do a series preview right now or a season's preview right now uh, for the main reason that there are a bunch of people who are still available who could be impactful free agents. Montgomery is still available. Bellinger is still available. Soler is still available. There's a bunch of very good players who are still out there. And we're going to talk briefly about one and tying it into someone whose career we are saying goodbye to. Uh, hey, we got our first comment of the day. Oh, it's going to be, it's, uh, uh, we'll get, Lawrence, we'll get to you in just a bit because we are tying this in a little bit to Corey Kluber. So if you see the name of this podcast, you will know all about it. But let's talk a little bit about the trivia question that I put out there the other day. It was a tough one. It was, sorry, something just dropped in my feet there. Um, it's the perils of doing a live show. The question was, who has the third highest number of home runs as a member of the San Francisco Giants? Willie McCovey, Barry Bonds, and Willie Mays are one, two, and three. That doesn't include the home runs hit by Willie Mays as a New York Giant, and obviously doesn't include the home runs hit by Barry Bonds as a Pirate or by Willie McCovey as a San Diego Padre or an Oakland Athletic. So just the home runs in San Francisco, one, two, and three, belong to McCovey, Bonds, and Willie Mays. Who was in fourth place? Well, we got a bunch of guests, a bunch of people who so, – uh, uh, Big John, 08865, uh, he guessed Orlando Cepeda, who was exactly who I thought it was going to be. Nope. Uh, we had a few people guessing Buster Posey. Nope. A few people guessing Will the Thrill Clark. Nope. Guess what? 
It's someone who was a teammate of Will Clark and a teammate of Barry Bonds, for that matter. And a couple of you got it, including nothing 9766. The answer is Matt Williams. And I, I did a double take. The I thought it was Cepeda. I absolutely thought it was Cepeda. But then remember, Orlando Cepeda had a lot of quality years with both the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves. In fact, he won the National League MVP as a member of the Cardinals. And actually, he had a, a blink-and-you'll-miss-it cameo with the 1972 Oakland A's. But it was Matt Williams who has gone on to be the manager of the year. I bet you forgot that when he managed the Washington Nationals. Ironically, they were beaten by the San Francisco Giants in the playoffs that year. And he's come back to the Bay Area. He was a coach with the Oakland A's for a while, and he's joined Bob Melvin, who I believe was also his teammate with uh, – yeah, he, he. I'm doing some of this from memory, but Bob Melvin briefly played with Matt Williams with the Giants in the late 1980s. So there you go. The answer is Matt Williams. Um, I was going to have a different segue, but Lawrence Coggins is a uh, – he's a listener, and he sent this um, – he's watching us live, and he said, thank you, Corey Kluber. Favorite Guardians pitcher of the 2010s era. Well, actually, they were the Indians then. But, yes, I get it. They guarded this franchise. He carried our rotation for many series and dominated. Appreciate the World Series appearances and two Cy Young Awards. My guy for the land legend. Thanks for the um, much, much easier segue. Um, Corey Kluber retired. Corey Kluber of Cleveland. Say that three times fast. Corey Kluber had a one of those – interesting careers that because we put so much value on whether or not it's a, someone's a hall of famer or not a career like Kluber's again boy the, the, a, he this is sounding like a Dr. Seuss thing will may slip through the cracks of appreciation of future generations however those of us who saw him pitch and those of us saw the brief burst of dominance that he had we'll see that for a period of time he wasn't one of the best pitchers in the american league he was the best pitcher in the american league he did win multiple cy young awards he had a couple of years where he absolutely was the dominating ace in baseball in 2014 he won the cy young award in 2017 he won the cy young award and had huge seasons with cleveland uh led led the league in all sorts of categories. He like wins. He led the league in wins. He like um, win loss percentage. He led the league in win loss percentage. You like ERA. He led the league in ERA. You like game start. He led the league in game start. You like complete games and shutouts. He led the league in both of them. You like innings pitched. Boom. You like ERA plus. Boom. You like FIP. Boom. You like whip. Boom. You like hip. Bip. Glip and dip. He did all of the above between really 2013 and 2018 for that six season period of time he was the best now one of those years he won the Cy Young award was 2014 which for most of the year it looked like that was Felix Hernandez's award kept under lock and key but it's kind of like the how for most of this year it looked like Gallon was going to win for Arizona and then things got a little wonky and Blake Snell shot past him to win his second Cy Young award we'll get to Blake Snell in just a minute um he won that first one, and I remember when that happened, I was like, really? Corey Kluber's a Cy Young Award winner? Well, he turned out to be not a fluke. And I absolutely believe that if Cleveland had won games five or six 
of the World Series in 2016 and and won the World Series that year, Kluber would have been the World Series MVP, having won his two games, including on short rest. He had a fabulous postseason then. His lone loss is when he was rushed in on short days rest in the ALCS against Toronto. And even then he didn't pitch badly. Uh, he won his first two games against the Chicago Cubs. And he did not have, I mean, he was, he pitched so many innings in that year's postseason. And he didn't have a good game seven. He only lasted four innings. He let up a pair of home runs. I still think, however, you know, keep in mind, he threw six shutout innings in game one, which was a pretty easy victory for Cleveland. He pitched six solid innings in game two, which again was a pretty solid victory for uh, for Cleveland. And he only pitched uh, the four innings in the finale. But I think that if the Indians, and that is what they were called then, managed to uh, rally, you know, if when they, when after Rajay Davis hit that home run, then you had the next batter did get a hit. I mean, the winning run was on. And then the ninth inning, you had Santana, you had Lindor, and you had um, Kipnis. And Kipnis, remember, Kipnis hit a long drive that hooked foul. If that one hit the foul pole, I think Kluber still would have won the World Series MVP, even though he had a, you know, a poor game seven. And there's a precedent for that. There have been a precedent for pitchers having one bad game and still winning the MVP. Frank Viola got clobbered in game four of the World Series in 1987 and still won the World Series MVP that year. If if that Japeson Kipnis home run had you know, not hooked foul, he would have pitched, uh, Kluber would have pitched 16 innings, won two games, and had a 2.81 earned run average in the World Series that year, which I think would be uh, a compelling case for him to be the World Series MVP, which when you stop and think about that, you know, maybe Jose Ramirez, a couple of different people did have some good series. You know, Jose Ramirez had a very good series too. And Lynn, and Brandon Geyer did as well. But think about that. He would have been the pitcher to deliver a championship to Cleveland. Um, and Lawrence Scott did point something out that, uh, Kluber, Andrew Miller, and Cody Allen were all burnt out. Yeah, because um, uh, Carrasco was injured, who had a wonderful season for them that year. Um, uh, there was there was uh, there was one. Of, who was the other pitcher who was uh, who was injured? It was Danny Salazar. I'm doing some of this from memory. Salazar and uh, and Carrasco were two of their best pitchers. And Carrasco was out for the entire postseason. And Salazar, his injuries reduced him to a mop-up role. And also remember Trevor Bauer, who's never been known to be the smartest person in the world, wound up chopping his hand up on a freaking drone in the middle of the playoffs. And they had to rush They had to rush and play a bullpen game in the middle of the ALCS uh, for the, uh, against Toronto. And they still almost won the World Series. Think about... In so many ways, Kluber was similar to Tim Lincecum in terms of a very short period of time dominated. The difference is the Giants won the series with Lincecum, and they didn't with Kluber. It wasn't Kluber's fault. You could have made the case that Lincecum was the MVP of the 2010 World Series as well. But you have these pitchers who are sometimes the key catalyst to a burst of energy on a team which had multiple years of dominance. 
you know, Fernando Valenzuela and Oral Hershiser in the 1980s with the L.A. Dodgers. Lincecum, as I mentioned, Ron Guidry, who won one Cy Young Award, probably could have won another one if you looked at some of the years he had. They were they loved handing him out to uh, uh, relief pitchers in the 80s. Same thing happened with Rick Sutcliffe. You had players, uh, Johan Santana, who for about a four or five year period was unquestionably the best pitcher in the American League. Kluber belongs in that category. Saberhagen, that's another one. He won two Cy Young Awards, pitched the Royals to a World Series championship with a little bit of help from Don Dankinger. That's the sort of area that Kluber belongs in. Someone who isn't a Hall of Famer, but had a Hall of Fame peak. And he he dominated, had the huge stats, wound up getting a no-hitter in his cameo with the New York Yankees. And for those of you who do the Immaculate Grid, uh, the end of Kluber's career is going to be very helpful for you because you want to pitch it with the Rangers, the Red Sox, the Rays, and the Yankees, and I bet you forgot all of those. Well, the Kluber saga and saying goodbye to him is, uh, well, reason to bring up Blake Snell. And I hate to do that, but we're going to have to go there. Hey, let's hear a little bit from our friends from Ibada. Now, you take a look at this world we're currently living in, and you're looking at the resolutions that we have to save money. We're into February. How are those resolutions going? Have you given up on them? Usually people give it up around the Super Bowl, which is tomorrow. So stop shopping without getting anything in return if one of your resolutions was to save money. Start getting cash back on every purchase you make with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop with hundreds of items from grocery and beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $145 a year. That can cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to do, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out in your bank account, PayPal, or with gift cards. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta, by using the code LOCKEDONMLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play, download the free Ibotta app, and start earning cash back, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A at Google Play or the App Store, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB. Here's a quick reminder that LOCKEDON has begun the first ever national sports streaming channel on YouTube. And now you can find it on Amazon Fire TV. Locked on Sports Day is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. I am a firm believer that I don't like to talk about contracts as good or bad only from the point of view of owners. I think that's one way fans will inadvertently carry the water for owners on a lot of issues. That being said, if I were running a team, I would want Blake Snell on my ball club. 
I just wouldn't necessarily want him for seven or eight or nine years like he's wanting. I think that if you're going to sign someone like Blake Snell, I think three, four, maybe even five years is pretty much what you should send for him. And looking at someone like Corey Kluber is the exact reason why, despite the fact that Blake Snell has had a wonderful, you know, few years, a couple of Cy Young award-winning years and some other pretty good years along the way, when you start dipping your toe into your 30s and you are someone who wants the long-term deal, precedents have been set. The Jake Peavy's of the world who went on to have nice careers after their Cy Young uh, contending years were over are one possibility. Or then there's Brandon Webb, who won a Cy Young award, nearly won another, and then after that pitched one game and it was out. Corey Kluber, as recently as 2017 and 2018, was the pitcher of the American League. Let's just go back a little bit and just take a quick peek. Corey Kluber, uh, when he was the same age as Blake Snell, was coming off, was about to start a 20-7 and year where he finished third in the Cy Young Award. This was after winning his second Cy Young Award. And that 2018 team where he led the league in innings pitched. After that, he had one more full season. The 2022 year, I can't, you can't take that away from him. He gave the Rays 164 innings of okay ball. He was fine. He was an innings eater. By last year with Boston, he was a non-factor. He did throw that no-hitter for the Yankees in 2021, but was nowhere to be found by the time the postseason started, which, by the way, consisted of one game for the Yankees. He pitched one game for the Texas Rangers. Now, Snell is a free agent, and maybe he picked the wrong year to have his free agency. You would think coming off a Cy Young victory would be the ideal time to hit free agency, but apparently people are taking a look and say, look at He's terrific. There's my first look into the day. He's had a terrific season. He's had a couple of really great years. I don't think there's a team in baseball that couldn't benefit from having Corey Kluber on there. But what are you going to do? You, I would, I would offer him if I were a team. I would offer him four years with a very high, you know, annual value. But the years is what gonna is what's going to kill him. Is what's going to absolutely kill him. Excuse my cough there. It's doing it live. So there is a bit of a warning sign. This is why he's still not signed. And if I were him, he's going to make piles of money. He's going to have enough money, as I said, for his great-grandchildren to go to law school and not have to worry about it. Hell, in his career already, he's a millionaire many times over. I mean, he's been making 11 13 $16 million. And has earned every penny of it. And will get paid well. But I think that he can't look out and say, why is nobody signing me? The fact of the matter is, there are warning signs. And the retirement of Corey Kluber, to me, is the greatest example I can think of that. Hey, apparently, there's a sporting event going on tomorrow. And it is not the trucks loading up with stuff for pitchers and catchers. No, it's a Super Bowl, and I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to throw some bets on it using FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
I am not a big person making bets, but you can't resist doing it on Super Bowl Sunday. And they have so many ways for you to end the football season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today. You get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. And to remind you that Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And you can find it on Amazon Fire TV. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Lockdown Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. I have not been subtle about my dislike of the idea of the A's moving to Las Vegas. And, oh, look at this. Carlos Vargas, who's a who's an everyday sully, says, As an Oaklands fan, thank you for your continued support and coverage of our relocation saga. I pray that this scam ends and we get an owner and a commissioner that will do the right thing and sell the team. Well, do you know what, Carlos? I, I've clearly been on the side of the fans, although I'm not totally blind. And I do see that, as decades have shown, that two teams in the Bay Area might be a tall order. Uh, I want the A's to stay, but for selfish reasons. And I do understand that maybe the A's had their best shot and it's not going to work out in Oakland. There are Portland, Charlotte, Nashville, and Montreal are four outstanding places to put a Major League Baseball team. And if baseball wants to expand by the end of this decade, there's no way they're going to expand to all four of them. That's why I thought Vegas just doesn't fit. But do you know what? For the benefit of being fair, I am going to read uh, a comment that I got on uh, YouTube. And I'm going to read it in its, in as much of an entirety as I can. It's from Rob L. He's, he was, who's in Las Vegas. And he has said that he has learned to discount much of what is said in the Bay Area media. And to be fair, I was reading articles that were launched from the San Jose Mercury News. Not exactly an impartial observer on this saga. Uh, I talked about how the Las Vegas mayor basically said they should stay in Oakland. He points out the Las Vegas mayor is lame duck, angry that the A's didn't accept the city's offer for land in an undesirable location. Instead, they selected a superior location on the Strip in Clark County outside of Las Vegas city limits. She wanted to be the baseball diva. Instead, she's on the outside and angry. The governor criticized her. Okay. Um, whether or not they play in the city of Las Vegas proper or in paradise just outside, it's still going to be the Las Vegas A's. And she's the and the, the supposed advantages of the team are still going to go towards that city. But you know more about uh, uh, local politics than me on this particular subject. Uh, his second one, location is excellent for both tourists and locals. If you think locals won't go, the Vegas Golden Knights play a block away and get plenty of locals. Okay, but I've pointed out a couple of things here. I don't think the Las Vegas Golden Knights are a good example to compare them with. I guess it's the only one, but they were the first. So there was the the um, the novelty 
of finally getting a team. I saw that exact thing happen when San Jose got the Sharks. Also, that's a Las Vegas team. That's a team that they, they didn't take the uh, Arizona Coyotes away from Arizona. They didn't take uh, the Vancouver Canucks away from Vancouver. That was an expansion team that was a brand spanking new team, not a vagabond team with a owner that was mis- that you mistrusted. Also, they were really good right out of the gate. They were basically, they, they had the expansion draft and everything that favored them in a way that right out of the gate, hey, there's a new team, and they're good, and they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and all that other thing. They've been good this whole time. Let's see how well they pack them in when they stink. What team stinks? The A's, a vagabond outsider team with tons of bad press about its ownership, plopping themselves into a stadium that doesn't exist, and are going to be putting a minor league product on the field. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not buying that comparison. I'm sorry. I am going to read your whole thing, but I am going to address some things. Stadium renderings have been seen and called spectacular by MGM CEO. Okay, here's what I'll say about that. I lived in the Bay Area for a long time. Uh, I could do a flip book and make an animation of all the renderings that I've seen. A lot of them seemed positive and good and beautiful. Okay. Seen them from Fremont, San Jose, Howard Terminal, the Coliseum site, uh, all over the Bay Area. Fremont, the Cisco Field Plan, the the as I said, rebuilding outside the Coliseum plan, the Mills College plan. All right, so this someone drew a nice picture. I, I'll draw a nice picture later today. But until we start seeing a real progress of it being made, uh, it's, I've been literally seeing for decades renderings. Um, the teams enlisted top architecture engineering, designing firms with an excellent track record. I hope so. I hope they just didn't... Uh, Call the, let the 14th caller on KNBR do this. Um, the main teacher union's not involved. Legal expert. Uh, that's actually not 100% true. There is some truth to it in a way. The main teacher union is not the one that's spearheading the, uh, uh, the movement. However, the uh, main teacher union of Las Vegas or the main teacher union of the state of Nevada, which is the, um, uh, what is the name of that? The, I have it here in my notes somewhere here. Uh, the, the Nevada State Education Associate Teachers Union. They are not the ones doing the lawsuit. That is correct. However, they oversee the separate pack called Schools Over Stadium, and they have backed it at every step of the way. And I can tell you one thing. Uh, the teachers in Nevada are, ha, ha, uh, they constantly send me emails because they are incredibly underfunded. And I think the 15th caller KNBR would get hired as a teacher. They're in the lowest 5%, the lowest, not 5 the lowest of the top of the 50 states in the country. They're in the bottom five in teacher salaries. And you're darn right their top union is against the state of Nevada turning over a few cushions saying, hey, we found a few hundred million here. So you're right that the one doing the lawsuit isn't 
the uh, Nevada State Education Association, but they are backing them up. Uh, Las Vegas is a strong baseball town. Many of us are Dodger fans who also become A's fans and go to home games. It's not reasonable to expect it's not reasonable to expect a strong fan base for a team that won't play here in a few years, but it will grow. Why? Why will it grow? Miami was looked upon as a mecca for expansion and to put a new team. So much so that it was the storyline of the film Major League was to move a team to Miami. And if there was ever a Venn diagram for a city that looked like it was going to be perfect, you have New Yorkers or, and, and transplanted Northeasterners, where baseball is huge in the Northeast. You have a huge Cuban population and a huge population from the Caribbean. Baseball is huge in the Caribbean. And it is a warm weather city, a little bit rainy, that would be a, and it's a super glamorous city that you would think would attract lots of players. It's become a go-to destination for so many sports. And we are now, it, it, we've now had the, the Marlins for over 30 years. And they've even delivered a couple World Series titles. And I know there are other, there are many factors causing the reason why the Marlins could, have not caught on. But the fact matters, they haven't. Phoenix was thought to be a absolute mecca when you consider, again, warm weather, lots of transplants from places that are, are uh, uh, big-time sports areas, uh, large Latino population. Baseball is gigantic in a lot of our Latino and Mexican communities. And yet most of the people there stayed true to their cub roots. I guarantee you there are more – if you did a tally, there are more Met and Yankee – and Red Sox fans and Phillies fans living in Miami than there are Marlins fans. I'll bet you anything there are more Cubs and Cardinal fans living in Phoenix than there are Arizona Diamondback fans. I'm not saying there aren't Marlins fans. I'm not saying there aren't Diamondback fans. I'm just saying that the thought of, oh, this is a big city and they'll switch over. You just said you're a Dodger fan. Are you going to suddenly become an A's fan because they're a minor league team? You have a you have the A's have moved there and are going to play in Sacramento for a few years and 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 Salt Lake City for a few years or maybe the minor league stadium and then they're going to put a hundred loss team in in on the strip. You're going to drop the Dodgers. People keep their teams. I've kept the Red Sox all these years. I've lived in Massachusetts since Ronald Reagan was president. That becomes part of it. If you're a diehard Dodger fan and you're and you want to go to a Dodger game. I live in Los Angeles. A flight to uh, the the drive from my home to Burbank Airport is is takes less time than the flight from Burbank to Las Vegas, and you can get Dodger games there. Are you going to suddenly root for a team that's losing big time and has a dreadful ownership? You're actually making the case that I'm making. That the fan base, while they may be there, are have their fan interest and their sports interest rooted otherwise in other places. Has Las Vegas embraced the Raiders? They've embraced the, the Golden Knights because it's theirs. I would say Vegas is a better candidate for expansion, except there are at least four other cities that are better. Look at, I, there's another look at for you all in Australia. Uh, I, I appreciate Rob L, your your message. And 
you may be right on a lot of these things. And I and I'm gonna make this perfectly clear. I if the A's move to Las Vegas, and it's still an if at this point, I want them to succeed. I do. I want every team's fan base to support their team. That makes baseball more fun. The A's have been a vagabond franchise since Connie Mack's kids propped up their father when he was senile and had no idea what he was doing, ruined the A's in Philadelphia, and since then they've been they've been pinballing all around all around creation. But I still have my reservations about Las Vegas as a baseball city. And I think I'm right. All right, we've got to wrap this up. I've gone long. Uh, here's my trivia question. What specific World Series feat did the following Hall of Famers do? Catfish Hunter, Randy Johnson, and Walter Johnson. Those three pitchers who are currently in the Hall of Fame did a very specific feat in the World Series. What was it? Walter Johnson, Catfish Hunter, Randy Johnson. Put it down here. And Rob L., uh, I think you're great. Thanks for writing in. And I'm combative, but that's how I, how I am. Talking about the, uh, you know, Corey Kluber and Snell and the A's. This has been Locked On MLB for the 10th day of February 2024. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.